In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Since the beginning of time, God has been sharing his glorious light with all of creation. On day four of creation, he put in motion the sun, moon, and stars that would declare his glory. From then to the turn of time, at the very first Christmas, and all the way to tonight, Sunday, December 17th, 2023. But are these lights in the skies really what lights the world? Or is there more to it? Well... Christmas has often been described as the season of light. So how about we start from the beginning, or even before that, if that's possible, and see what the Bible has to say about the light of the world. Hmm, let's see. I think you'll find some interesting insight from a lady, a lady whose name is Mary. Father would always talk about what dark days we were living in. All the oppression, anxiety, lies, and injustice. Surely there has never been a time as bad as this. And on and on. Having grown in biblical maturity, I can now see that not only has it been this bad in the past, Jesus said it would continue to get worse before he returned. Oh, but there I go, getting ahead of myself. Now, where was I? Oh, yes, Father. Well, while he was always complaining about the economy and government, and the Ro which were the Romans at the time, I was all too caught up with my young, exciting, engaged life. My wonderful husband-to-be, Joseph, was very busy with all the stresses and preparations that go into starting a family. Everything was perfect. Hi, I'm Joseph, Mary's husband. But of course, at the time of these events, we were only engaged. Let's see. I was very busy making preparations for the wedding and saving up every penny we could. I was also going to our local synagogue every Sabbath to learn from the writings of Isaiah, David, Joel, and so many others. Little did we appreciate that every single passage from Moses' first book to the prophet Malachi all pointed to one man, the Messiah, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, we were very happily engaged, but I'm afraid we didn't pay near enough attention to how the Messiah's coming would affect our lives. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. What was about to happen to Mary was something that all in Israel should have expected and prayed for. And yet, how often do we, too, fail to believe what we know is true? I remember like it was yesterday. I was just in my house working on dinner when there he was. A man, but not just a man. 
his whole person shone like a light. It was like I had always imagined Moses' face when he had seen God, and yet this man was only an angel, a messenger of God. Oh, just to think how much greater a light God would be in all his glory. The angel said his name was Gabriel. He said that I had found favoring with God and that I was going to be the mother of the Messiah. I couldn't believe it. My whole life I had heard that Christ was going to that Christ was going to be born of a virgin, but I had never dreamed. I, I mean, I was nobody, and he, he was the son of God. All of a sudden, Mary started acting very strangely. She insisted on going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who she said was expecting. I found that very hard to believe, considering she was over 60 years old. Apparently, some guy named Gabriel had told her. Well, I guess if it means that much to you, I said... You can imagine my shock and my heartbreak upon her return to find out she, well, she was pregnant. This wasn't my child. As if it hadn't been bad enough, not only must I break off our engagement, in our days, the penalty for such a sin as fornication was death. Never had I ever felt so lost or confused. The one person I had counted on was gone. Then Joseph, her husband, Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Matthew 1.19. Yes, this is how the Christmas story started. Not usually the way it's painted, but this is what really happened. Few of us could relate to the same situation that Joseph was faced with. But God, in his great mercy, obviously knew the reason for Mary's conception. And if anyone deserved a message from God, it was Joseph. So, in verse 20 of Matthew 1, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. You can imagine how relieved I was when Joseph told me of the vision that he'd had. I had tried to tell him what was really going on, but it was so hard to explain. I am so thankful that despite the impending ridicule for entering into a relationship with an unexplained pregnancy, Joseph believed God and still agreed to marry me. Everything kind of went back to wedding preparations, and of course, I started learning much about pregnancy. And then some news came. There was a decree sent through all the land all new taxing and format, one that required all people to return to their city of birth in order to complete the census. The trip was over 90 miles. Normally, with the two of us on foot, the journey would take about a week. But Mary was pregnant. Even with her riding on my donkey, we would have to leave immediately, and just when my carpentry business was taken off.
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Luke 2, through 4 through 5. Once again, it wasn't as simple as most people think, but now we're getting to the more familiar parts. Well, let's see what's happening as Mary and Joseph enter Bethlehem. I'll never forget coming into Bethlehem that day. I had been there many years before, but this was not at all as I had remembered. There were people everywhere. We soon found that the inn Joseph had usually stayed at when going home to visit was over full, and the next, and the next. Joseph pleaded with people to let us share a place or even pay them for their room, but everyone seemed to have some greater need for the room. He was getting frustrated, and though outwardly I tried to console him, I was very consumed with my own pains and problems. I was so tired. I just wanted to lay down somewhere and sleep. I could tell Mary was getting weaker and drawing toward the delivery, and no one would let us in. Obviously, yelling at everyone, not only was this young lady pregnant, but she was also a virgin, and that the child to be born was the Messiah. wouldn't go over very well. Not that I would blame them for their unbelief. I had hard enough time getting it through my head at first, too. We stopped at inns, houses, found a stable, checked a couple more places, none of which had any room and ended up back at the stable. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Luke 2, 7. pain. I guess I thought that with this child being the savior of the world, maybe birth would be a little easier, but I'm afraid not. Yes, he was fully God and yet fully man, and of course I was just as human as anyone else, but all of a sudden it was over. Of course there was still some pain, but as soon as I heard that little cry, 
Oh, it was amazing to think that God would dwell with us. And of course, this was the only way. What had seemed like such a long, dark night wasn't anymore. In fact, I'm not really sure how this is going to sound, but the stable was full of light. Before there was just a small lantern, but then suddenly, just like in the beginning, there was light. Through the cracks of the roof, I could see the brightest star I'd have ever seen. I know who put the stars in motion on day four of creation. And this stable, this village, this time, was exactly when and how God wanted to deliver his gift of light to the world. I held this little bundle of joy in my arms and slept for what seemed like a very long time. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Luke 2 8.
it came to pass, when the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Luke 2.15 I was out cold when suddenly there was movement near the stable entrance. First one man, then four or five. While I was sleeping, Joseph had laid Jesus in the manger. How I wish I'd had him in my arms then. What was going on? I lunged to my feet. I regretted not having a weapon. What did these men want? That's when I saw their shepherd's staffs. As I was trying to go about asking if they were in the wrong stable or, or if we were in the wrong stable... The first man suddenly knelt down and bowed his face to the ground. The others followed immediately. And then they were bowing not to myself, not to Mary, but to God, Jesus, this child. I felt like I was going to cry for joy. Here it had seemed like no one cared, no one even knew. But somehow these simple yet believing shepherds were the first humans besides Joseph and myself to see and worship the Christ child. What an amazing God we serve. I wish we could have talked with them a little while, but after worshiping Jesus and praising God, they were gone. And how their faces shone with a new joy and excitement, a light. Why, we could hear them for at least a few blocks praising God and telling everyone that they met about the Savior, which at that hour of night no doubt got them many unhappy responses and unbelieving retorts. 
but that is often how a person is treating, treated who brings light to anyone who has been so long in darkness. And when they had seen it, they had made known abroad the same which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those sayings which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these sayings and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Luke 2, 17 through 20. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him, Luke 2.40. I wish we had the time to tell you of all the things that Jesus did during those first few years. Yes, he was just like any other baby in some ways, but so much different. It's kind of hard to describe. Anyway, probably the most notable thing that had happened between the day we went to the temple for Mary's sin offering and the day we lost him at the temple, which is a whole other story, was when some very distinguished guests came to visit. And in those days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Matthew 2, 1 through 3. We were staying in Bethlehem as Joseph had gotten a house for us to stay in since many people who had come for the census had returned to their homes again. It wasn't until later that we got the rundown on those special visitors we'd had that night. Turns out they were from Persia. They stopped in Jerusalem and made quite a ruckus. Apparently, they didn't know Herod's policies when it came to new kings or any threat to his throne. He would kill them. So it was no wonder that when these men brought a very intriguing question with them, that the whole city would be disturbed. And when he, Herod, had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of all the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again. Matthew 2, 4 through 8. 
And lo, the star which they had saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the place where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Matthew 2, 9 through 10. when Joseph called me from the doorway and at that hour of night upon seeing the Magi I was struck with fear that the king had found us but these men weren't from around here in fact I'd never seen garments quite like the ones they wore and they brought gifts And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Matthew 2:11 through 12. 
It was crazy. The only guests who came to see Jesus, the Christ, were a few poor shepherds and then these very rich wise men from some other country. I've said it before. Being the stepfather to the Messiah wasn't easy, but it sure wasn't boring. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a night or two later that God came to me in another vision, telling me that, again, we must leave here at this time, flee to Egypt, not for taxes, but for our own safety. As always, God's timing is perfect. When Joseph woke me, it was still dark. I told him, he told me of his dream that we must leave for Egypt immediately. This wasn't exactly how I had planned or thought God would want his child to be raised. Yet we trusted God and set out into the darkness again, carrying with us, of course, the precious light of the world. And when they had de- were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, out of Egypt have I called my son. Matthew 2:13 through 15. It wasn't until we got to Egypt that we heard of the tragedy in Bethlehem. That wicked King Herod, not after having the wise men return, ordered that all the men, children, the boy children in Bethlehem under the age of two be killed. Sometimes we might ask, how could God let evil people do such terrible things? Surely this must be the most wicked point in history. Well, God's ways are higher than ours, and as they say, the darker the night, the brighter the light. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which seek the young child's life. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Matthew 2, 19-20 and 23. Even though it was hard to see so many bad things and injustices in those days, I was able to watch the sun that God allowed me to enjoy over the next 33 years, teaching of the true kingdom of God, heal the sick, give sight to the blind, and even raise the dead. One of the darkest days I can remember is when they took my son, my Lord and Savior, and nailed him to a cross to pay for crimes that he had not committed. But the brightest day of my life was three days later when he arose in power and great glory. He conquered death and proved that the light of the world can never be put out because the light of the world is not joy. The light of the world is not peace. It's not love. It's not hope. It's not anything you or I can do. The light of the world is Jesus.
John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus started day one by creating light. On Christmas, he became, in human form, the light of the world. After rising from the dead, he ascended back to heaven in the clouds of light, with the promise that he would return the same way. Speaking of heaven, in Revelations 21:23, it says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the king of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall no in, in no wise enter into any thing that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. This then is the message that we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him was no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First John 1, 5 through 7. Well, thank you, everyone. I appreciate your attention and your attendance to our play and practice tonight, all the practice that went into this. I want to say thank you to Sam the guy with the wannabe beard, and, um, and then the Livingstons and Joseph and all of the young people and the singers. Thank you so much for your hard work. Let's give them a round of applause. Can we do that? And this is not supposed to be a performance that just entertains. Um, otherwise, we'd sell tickets. No, just kidding. But this is supposed to be just an opportunity to spread the gospel and share that the true light of the world is Jesus. And that's, I think Sam wrote this. Did you write all this or part of it anyway? And so thank you, Sam, for doing that. Because the point is, is that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And uh, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The Bible says that. Uh, most things bad that are happening are happening at night. And that's because men love darkness. But Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he sheds light on the darkness, and we need that. And um, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I don't appreciate the darkness, and it seems like our world's getting darker, if you know what I mean. But you know what? The light of the world is Jesus. And if you'll realize that's the true light, there's artificial light out there, but the true light is Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. And um, there's so much I could say, but I just want to say that um, if you ever tonight or any time have questions about do I know Christ as my Savior? Do I not just know the Christmas story or about Jesus, but do I have him as my Savior? If I died, 
where would I go? Do I have Christ as my Savior? He is the reason for the season. And the reason is not just his birth, but he was born to die. He came to this world to be our Savior. But as any gift that you've ever gotten, it can only be yours if you receive it. It might have your name on it, but it isn't yours until you take it and claim it for yourself. And that's the way salvation is. You must receive Jesus Christ personally. No one can force a gift on you. It has to be welcomed and received. And if you're not sure that you have that, you need to talk with me or my wife or Sam or somebody and ask, how can I know for sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven, that I have Jesus Christ, the light of the world? Several years ago, someone came to a a Christmas program just like this one, and they said to me afterwards, I want to know more about that. Today, they're saved, they're on their way to heaven, and they're sitting in the room again tonight. And that's really the reason for why we do what we do. I had to laugh and and, uh, smile at some of the things that happened tonight. And uh, I'm glad it happens that way. That's probably why some of you showed up, just to see Dennis the Menace be a a shepherd. Um, I couldn't help but laugh at Willie the Wise Man and his oversized crown that kept going down over his head. But it's all fun, and it's it's great, and I appreciate each one. And uh, we really do try to invest in the young people. Uh, we want them to learn, and we want them to remember what they've learned. And there's some old young people sitting in here tonight that are now parents, married, and, and, uh, and they used to be a part of this program. And we're, we're trying to instill that into our young people and, uh, and, and make the next generation go forward. And once upon a time, Sam used to be about this high, singing and being a part of the program. Now he wrote the program. And that's the idea, is to pass it on, because some of us are getting old and uh, pass on this to the next generation and help the Custer community in our world as we shine our light in this world. Thank you again for coming tonight. We have calendars. They're Bible reading as well, Bible reading schedule calendars, and they're free for you if you want one. They're on the back table back there. And we also have brownies and cookies and coffee and juice available in the, in the kitchen area in the fellowship hall. We want you to stay and, and eat with us and visit. And uh, make sure you get autographs from all the angels and shepherds. I'm sure they'll be worth something someday. Uh, but thank you for being here and letting your child participate tonight and appreciate each and every one. And we do love them and so are, are so thankful and grateful that we have a part in their life. Let's close in prayer and then uh, please make your way to uh, the fellowship hall where all the goodies are at. Lord, we do thank you for tonight. Thank you for opportunity to uh, spread the gospel and spread the, the light of the world through the telling of the wonderful story. The greatest story ever told, the story of you loving us enough to come to this world and be the light and to shine and to show us the way and to help us understand your love for us and your willingness to be the sacrifice, the atonement for sin, the payment upon the cross, that you use simple people like the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and you you allowed yourselves to be humbled and to be born in a barn and to live amongst us and then to die for us. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that does not really have that personally, they understand it in their mind, but they don't have it and have not received it and believed it personally as their Lord and Savior, that tonight they would turn to you as the only light of the world. And God, we thank you and praise you for all that you do and all that you have been to us and what you will continue to be for me as a Christian. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.